Yeah, when I was young, I used to play with all those toys. So I wanted to open the battery, actually, and discover what is in it. So this so, is what brings me to electrochemistry. Really? Now, no. Welcome to the Electrochemistry Podcast, where we talk about all things electrochemistry. My name is Dr. Alex Peroff, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Neil Spinner. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest. It is Dr. Ziad Batar, who is the owner and founder of the company Equilabrium, which is located in Lyon, France. Ziad is uh, a, uh, an electrochemist by formal training. He studied CO2 reduction. And after getting his PhD, he worked for a variety of different companies in industry, doing things like business development management. And now he is today with us as the owner of Equilabrium. And we have been doing business with Ziad for a long time, and we're really excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Very good. So we like to start off by asking this question to everybody who uh, who interviews on the podcast. And by everybody, I mean you're the first one. So uh, <laughs> we're just starting this. All one of them. <laughs> All one of yes. them. But why did you choose electrochemistry? Uh, you, you had a concussion. I don't know if the other guest also chose electrochemistry or electrochemistry chose you. I mean, I don't... Like when you go into a PhD, I mean... I didn't really choose electrochemistry, to be honest. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Like, why did you get like, into this? Thing? I mean, I, I have a uh, exotic story that, like, yeah, when I was young, I used to play with all those uh, toys, and um, screwdriver was my favorite uh, uh, toys. And my dad used to tell me that uh, one day I discovered that the battery, when it's removed from the toy, is making it stop working so it is what makes everything work so i wanted to open the battery actually and discover what is in it that sounds safe and <laughs> yeah and i was trying with the screwdriver it didn't work so i needed to wait until the university to understand oh, what's yeah. in, the, in the battery actually i couldn't open it back then so oh, yes. so this so, is what bring me to electrochemistry really now no no <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, more seriously, yeah, more seriously, yeah, yeah. I did a uh, bachelor in, in chemistry yeah. and um, and I wanted to do some renewable energy like because this specialty didn't exist in Lebanon back then. I'm not sure if it does now, but I came to France to do my master degree, which is uh, like in, in, in France, it's different than here. Here you have undergrad and grad school. In, in, um, in French, in France, it's more, the, we call it LMD, which is licence for bachelor, M for master, which is master, and D for doctorat, which is okay. like PhD. So there's three years of bachelor, two years of master, and three to four years of PhD. PhD. Okay. So I did my bachelor degree in uh, in Lebanon, uh, and it was like biochemistry, chemistry, and, and so on. Uh, my master one, like it's two years of master's. The first year is where I was more about batteries and so on. So uh, I had a project where I wrote a like, res like small research about... Uh, uh, zinc air batteries 
and my traineeship, which is, was, was only for two months, was about protecting some photovoltaic uh, technology, like doing some uh, electrochemistry uh, deposition on that and so on. So semester one was where I was more into electrochemistry, but this master was canceled after that. So it was a preparation for a master two, but there wasn't enough students, so they didn't continue with that. So my master two was in physics, and it has nothing to do about electrochemistry. So I ended up doing a master two in physics without any electrochemistry. And it is un like in the end of this master where I needed to do a six months traineeship. And I find this project where they are working on electro reduction of CO2. I said, oh, I know some electrochemistry from my master one. and. I was involved in lots of green energies and so on in my master two. So this uh, subject was a little bit a mix between those two years. So let me give it a try. And, and this is how I did a traineeship in electrochemistry, CO2 electroduction, which opened later on for a PhD. So it is a coincidence, I would say. Like I didn't really choose electrochemistry. Yeah. Did you use a screwdriver? All the time, I have one in my pocket. Oh, I hope, good, good, good. Yes. So, so is it? Wait. So, is it common that there's like a master one and a master two in the French education, or is that just the nature? Oh, of usually it's a a like master one is more like a common uh, master for different specialties, and the master two is more you are specialized in in something, right? So it's it's very common. There is M A M two, which is master one, master two. Okay, okay, and then and then the natural progression is then PhD. For that Actually, point. the master two, there is two types. There is the pro and the research. Usually the professional one like will take you more to the field, like uh, just go and find a work. And the research one will take you more for a PhD. And you and you focused on the research one? No. <laughs> Actually, no. I didn't want to do a PhD as well. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's <laughs> a real question. <laughs> initially, I wanted to go to the field and like uh, work more in a, uh, a wind plant or like a solar plant or like wind farm, whatever, like something into renewable, but on the ground. I didn't want to stay in the lab uh, after my master's. Uh, but this like traineeship that I did was uh, interesting enough for me to say, okay, I would do a PhD if it is on this subject because most of the PhD, I don't know how it is here, but in France, you read a announcement for a PhD, but you have no idea what you will be doing during the coming three to four years, right? Like you discover that on the road, right? Yeah, yeah. Having done a traineeship on the project gave me a clear idea of what I will be doing. So I was like, okay, I can do a PhD here, right? I also had no desire to get a PhD at all. I was only going to get a master's degree because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And that was a delay tactic because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I got a PhD by almost accident. And I ended up picking my advisor because he seemed cool. That's how <laughs> a wise PhD that choice. Is, that, that is, is, that, is choice. that is quite literally the reason that I'm an electrochemist right now because my advisor happens to be an electrochemist yep. and he seemed cool and I thought it'd be fun to be in his group. Oh, yeah. And this also played a role, to be honest, because yeah. uh, I didn't want to do uh, a PhD with anyone. So mm -hmm. my supervisor was also one of those very cool guys who mm. encourage me that like like yeah, this yeah. is like a good manager right can, can yeah. you can you imagine there's people that get phds on purpose 
<laughs> like, I don't, I, I, like, who are these people? And, and, Do they walk amongst us? But like, yeah, and and like, you can't choose your PhD subject, right? Like, you take yeah. whatever they accept. Like, yeah. I, I, giving you, right? Or you pick whichever advisor seems yes. like he'll go for beers with you. Like exactly. that's it. That's yep. all that matters. Yep, 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 Alex, did you get your PhD on purpose? <laughs> Be honest, Alex. <laughs> I uh, I I got my PhD on purpose. Oh my! I know. Oh, we, we found got... one. We found a person. No, no, but it's like, all right. So, my motivation was purely for just curiosity. It was just this idea, what is the PhD? Like, what's the next level of chemistry? I just wanted to know. And so for me, while the PhD process was annoying, and I think to myself, would I have done this again, having the knowledge that I have now? I would still do it just because I know I would just be just curious, like, what is the process? Like, what is the pain, I guess? Because that's what it is, just a lot of pain and suffering. No pain, was it no gain? Was I'm assuming it's like you went through the same trials and tribulations as all your other graduate students and peers. Not really. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Not, How so? Not really, because like I had the chance actually <laughs> of having this PhD. It's a special kind of PhD in France. We call it CIFR, and uh, it's a company that gives money to a research center or a university, but you are more a employee in the company and it's not a government or like a university PhD. So you are not really into academic, right? Like I was more in, in a company working f like for the company and I had one year to do uh, research in the university. So it's a collaboration between IFP in Lyon and Grenoble University. Uh, so I didn't really go through the pain of a academic where I needed to give uh, in the same time some teaching and like doing some research. And so I didn't do any teaching during my PhD, which is not very common yeah. in France, right? I, I, I guess here too, right? It yeah. depends on the... I yeah, guess the yeah. university, but I didn't do any teaching, but I, it was like TA, like teaching assistant. Yeah. No, no, I, no, I didn't see any student. Yeah, and yeah. this was the fun part. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was working yeah. in yeah. this company, uh -huh. but doing research. So, so, yeah, I didn't go through lots of the typical pain of the PhD. And, uh, and since I have a good advisor as well, like the, the pain was in the publication because you know, you have to publish in English and you are in France. So most of your supervisor like speak English <laughs> in well. a French way, yeah. which is not ideal for a publication, right? So so I, I had to do this on my own. So this was a little bit of pain because I didn't have any guidance to write a publication. So the pain of publication was one of the pains, but the other ones, I was really enjoying my PhD. I wanted to do another one after. But I, I, I then said, like, one is enough, so I didn't do another one. But if you did another one, it would have been on purpose, so you can't do that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't work. Right, yeah. <laughs> so does that also explain, because I, I was just looking at your, your, your LinkedIn, you have more patents than anything. Is that because of the industry connection with your one, PhD? One of the reasons. One of the reasons is that in, in industry and, and also the supervisor, like, he was more oriented to result. Like, uh, let the academy do the fundamental research and let us have some results that we can show that, like, the, pro the project is feasible and so on. He was more encouraging to do uh, patents rather than publication. By the way, if you look at the date of the publication, I published two years after my PhD, which which is not really common, right? So I finished my PhD in, in 20, 
14 and the publication was until 2016. So I didn't publish during my PhD. I only did those three patents and then uh, then published later on because I wanted to have a publication. So uh, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually maybe not as uncommon as you might think that like somebody it's like they've published some things and then they defend but they still had all this all this research all this data so even while they're working they're still trying to complete these loose ends yeah what happens sometimes whether you leave and stay in academia or postdoc or you go to industry it's that if you had leftover data mm -hmm. it like I, I i did a postdoc but then i i did one last publication because my advi my boss my you know my my advisor wanted to get a you know publish the data that I was working on before I defended my PhD and finished and so he suckered me into writing a last paper with him okay. while I was at my postdoc and it took me forever because I was like <laughs> I have a different job now yes. and I don't owe you anything and you can't keep a degree away from me <laughs> to you know as a leverage he had no leverage I just I did it because I I mean I I had the best advisor ever. He was awesome. And, um, you know, I respected him, but it was just, I didn't want to do extra work, you know? So it took me a while to get it done. But, uh, but, you know, anyway, that's the, another one of the reasons why people do it is because, you know, your boss, yep, your old yep. boss, want, he, he cares you. about his yeah. publication record and he, you know, wants to keep the papers going or whatever. So, so when you were, so you started working at IFP, after yeah. after your PhD. No, but no, no. It was during my PhD. It was PhD. during your yeah, PhD. Yeah, I did my PhD there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you did your PhD there. That did now that did not count as working in industry experience? For me, yes, but convince <laughs> people about it, right? So so people like this is why in my LinkedIn, yeah. like I make it look as if I had three years of experience rather than a PhD because I was finding it hard to convince people about it. So if you look to my uh, LinkedIn profile, you will see that, oh, there is two years of experience in this field because this is how it is in IFP. Like every year, my salary was increased because I was considered as an engineer plus one year of experience than plus two years of experience. So they look at me more as engineer with years of experience rather than a PhD. Right. So I put it this way because it wasn't really easy to convince during a interview that, oh, I have three years of experience because people will consider you as a freshly graduated, which makes no sense for me after a PhD. Yeah. I, I, like 10 years ago, I was freshly. graduated. Yeah. A PhD <laughs> is like a job. Exactly. I mean, and even I treated it that way in a sense, you know, like job experience. It's like researcher, you know, yes. like whatever that that is. You're being paid and you're working, you know, more definitely. hours in a week than even probably the job you're applying for, you know, De like definitely, definitely. So but it's a yeah, job. Yeah. The, the people that they were interviewing me like didn't look at it from the same perspective. Right. So uh, this is this is the tricky part. Like you have to convince people that during your PhD, you were not only in your lab, uh, adding two compound and like making uh, some experience, right? Experiments, right? You, you, you gain lots of skills and so on, which are valuable experience as if you were working any, any other job, right? So this was the tricky part. And I convinced my first employer that yes, 
And, and th- this is how I got and, accepted. And, and who is that, your first uh, employer? Like, it's a manufacturer of uh, potential style. And this is how I started my business experience related to science right like i was still working with a potential star but instead of being a user of a potential star i was trying to sell it right so yeah so what did you do after that because that because you had some other positions before before you started your own business i was looking for something different and this is how i ended up in dubai after like maybe a year of trying to find something else um in this uh, experience i was from the other side when i went to dubai i was working for a distributor of different equipment not electrochemistry and my job was to v- develop a unit where i bring my knowledge because during my phd i didn't only do electrochemistry i did some xrd some uh, uh, tga like thermal analysis and other uh, characterization like material characterization so my job was to bring Uh, equipment to this company and like having uh, suppliers and being the distributor of different suppliers so this is like i saw the other part of uh, of the sales cycle you basically had about six months with one company six months with another after like one year approximately after your phd and you decide to go basically all in on this on this business idea Yes, although it wasn't very obvious because like what people tell you and those are like common stuff that you hear. Oh, uh, you need 10 years of experience before uh, having your own company. Like you, you need to be mature. You need, you need, you need. Actually, no, you don't need all that. Like you need to be convinced about your project and your vision. And this will be enough, basically. Like believe in what you want and what and and this is not a motivational speak. This is out of like <laughs> Alex. Experience. I quit. I'm starting a company. Yeah, yeah we're doing <laughs> motivational speaking. Wait a minute. I have smart. no. I have no vision, and <laughs> I'm also very immature. Never mind. I'm staying. No, no, no. Like the idea is that like all those pre-requirements that applies in general are not really required to do something that you are convinced about, right? And uh, and uh, like it worked for me it might have been a a bad experience it, it wasn't it wasn't why because i was convinced about it and some circumstances in life like plays sometime to your favor or not uh, but uh, in general do what you think is right to be done and not what people believe is good or bad like if i wanted to listen to people around me i wouldn't even quit the job right Uh, because like oh you have a fair salary after your phd you don't have enough experience you have to build experience what will you do if you have a gap in your cv with a phd people will think that you are not good enough and so on so people will tell you lots of crap (laughs) <laughs> are we allowed to say that? Yes. Okay. Yes, we are. Okay. That's right. <laughs> All's good. Yeah. All's good. So, so what I want to say here is that the majority of people telling you the common way of doing it and there is what you believe is the way of doing it and go for what you believe in because at least if you fail, you give it a try. That's it. Yeah. You gave it a try, yeah. So you started Equilibrium about, let's just say, you know, six, six years ago. With all the knowledge that you've learned today, if you could give yourself a message for yourself starting back, 
what would that message be? What advice would you give younger Ziad? It will sound a little bit maybe arrogant, but like do what you are doing. That's it. Like, I mean, if I failed, I might have changed something, but I consider that it was a success. So why change a winning horse, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm always kind of curious about that because I would also say sometimes your failures are things that like you just have to experience it. I mean, my failures somehow is what led me where I am. But like since I started the company, I... I like I don't think that like there was something that I would have done I mean you can always do better right well, yeah, and, yeah. yeah but like uh, there's no real message that I will send to myself is that like just uh, do it how you are convinced of doing it and and this is maybe one of the most important things is that I tend by nature to do what is like my best, like I always give my best. So I don't regret in the future, right? So I think that I did my best during those years that it will be hard for me to do better than my best, right? By definition. So I might, like maybe if I did better than my best, I would have failed, right? Because I might reach a overwhelmed state. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. I might have did a wrong step or whatever. So I tend to do my best in anything I'm doing. So in the future, I don't regret what I did. And, and if it didn't work, at least... I did my best, right? Yeah. So that's it. This is like one of those sports speeches after the, you know, the game winning, <laughs> the game winning, yes. like the, they enter, the basketball player hits the, you know, game winning shot. And it's like, well, you know, we're just out there giving 110%. You can't give 110%. It's not possible. You're giving your best. And if you think you gave better than your best, you're wrong. That's just your best. Yeah. Because by definition of the word, if the word best means anything at all, the gr the most like positive thing that happened the wa was your best. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is less than your best. No, so th there's a new word. A new bester. Besterist. If you did your best last week and you scored twenty points, and then today you scored thirty points, then last week is no longer your best. Thirty points is now your best. And we would now say you did. Better. You did than better. Before. We would use the word better to right. describe the that. Best is superlative. It means it is the ultimate. There is nothing better than the best, and there's no more than a hundred percent. Okay. Thank you, Neil, for yes. those information. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm yes, here for you. all of your uh, word definitions and mathematical truths. Yes. I will yes, be here all day. Thank you. Well, I think you've said a lot of really great and inspiring things. Um, we haven't really. I, I, I wasn't oh. intending to do any inspiring. But you did. You, oh, thank inspired you. Thank us, Ziad. <laughs> now I got. Now we're gonna have all kinds of people who want to now become distributors, and we have to tell them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but not Europe because it's covered. It's covered. Yeah. Because your best is better than their almost best. Almost. Thank you That's so right. much. Thank yes. you so much. Now a word from our sponsors. You know, I'm 28 years old. I've been working for a few years, but I'm really unhappy. I don't know what to do. I feel like everyone is telling me common stuff, like staying with the company because I need at least 10 years of experience. They tell me I'm not mature. They say I, I need all these things. What people tell you, and those are like 
common stuff that you hear. Oh, uh, you need 10 years of experience before uh, having your own company. Like you, you need to be mature. You need, you need, you need. Actually, no. From the best-selling author, Dr. Ziad Bitar, comes his new seminar, Do Stuff in a Passionate Way. Do stuff like in a uh, passionate way. He's changed the lives of countless electrochemists across the world, even if his methods are a bit unorthodox. I don't go to the gym and wake up at six. I don't know if my research is going well or if I'm ever going to complete my thesis project. I think I need more equipment and more time in the lab. You don't need all that. Like, you need to be convinced about your project and your vision, and this will be enough, basically. In general, do what you think is right to be done and not what people believe is good or bad. But, but what if I fail? If you fail, you give it a try. That's it. <laughs> but Dr. Batar, how do you come up with this motivational seminar? I only had a vision which I was convinced about and I gave it a try. That's it. This seminar can be yours for just four easy payments of $19.99. But is that all? That's it. That sounds really too good to be true. Basically. There's nothing more to pay? That's it. Well, you heard the man. Call today. Advertisement is a joke for comedy purposes and is not real, nor does it constitute an offer of any kind from Pine Research. Restrictions apply. See terms and conditions for details. Not valid in Alaska, Hawaii, any of the contiguous 48 states, or any country on any of the seven earthly continents, except Antarctica. Contact Pine Research for details, real offers, life advice, or product quotes. everybody we are going to play a very exciting game of ecamm abstract mad libs so uh if you've played mad libs when you were younger i i did when i was uh when i was a kid but uh, if you haven't i'll try to explain how it works here so a mad lib is a story where keywords are removed and there's blanks that need to be filled in now these blanks are usually things like nouns and verbs and adjectives numbers things like that um, now in this case the goal is to get somebody who doesn't know where those nouns, adjectives, and verbs, like what the story is around them. And so you get them to fill them in, but, you know, blind without knowing what the story is. And it usually makes some nonsensical and funny story. Today, we're going to play a version called Ecamm Abstract Mad Libs. And so what I've done is I've made a fake electrochemistry publication abstract. And I'm going to ask my colleague Alex here, as well as our guest Ziad for a bunch of different chemistry related things like chemicals and numbers, instruments, things like that. And uh, neither of them know what the context of this story is or what the abstract is. And so hopefully they're gonna give me ridiculous answers and we get a very funny sounding uh, abstract when we're all done. So uh, Ziad and Alex, are you both ready? I am. Yes, I am too. Oh, I, I don't think you are, but we're going to do it anyway. All right. So uh, here we go. I We're going to just sort of have either of you or both of you give answers, no um, particular order, uh, so you can collaborate and collude on the uh, best possible answers here. So the first thing I need is a length of time. A length of time. I will go for two nanoseconds. Two or nanoseconds if it's only length. yeah yeah two nanoseconds yeah it gets the it, it, the unit and the number are included so okay. you are you are you are you are correct perfect okay um, a a property like a material a material property of some kind I need two of them so so yeah so one one of you each give me a property we can do um, hardness 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 okay that's one hardness that's 
I'm so used to just electrochemical properties. I know it's of like things. branch out and do something non-electrochemistry. I'm trying to do something non-electrochemical just so that it it works. Um, shininess. Shininess. Shine. Shininess. Shine. Does, does that exist? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a unit for like, you know, how many lumens? How many di? <laughs> how many percent diamond shiny is it? Or, you know, yeah. is there? There must be some like, like jewelry unit. You know what I mean? But shininess we'll go with for now. Um, a natural resource. Um, natural resource. Dirt. Po potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> Did you say dirt? I was going to say dirt. <laughs> dirt or potatoes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say potatoes. They're kind of related. because they, they are. One potatoes grows grow in the, the dirt. Other. Yeah, we'll just go with potatoes. I heard potatoes first. But uh, <laughs> dirt, dirt is a good one uh, too, but not exactly what I was going for. Um, okay. Um, so uh, Ziad is French citizen. So uh, I, I, I'd preface that by saying that I don't know what the movie or like science fiction, uh, you know, cultures different than ours in America here. So so you guys can work together on this. I need a sci-fi like science fiction weapon or device or something like that. Like one of those um Star Wars swords or oh, yeah, like a, a lightsaber. Light, a lightsaber. Yeah, a lightsaber. That's a good yeah, one. That's yeah, a good light, one. Lightsaber. Okay. Yes, that that is a good one. I yeah. figured Star Wars is like available in most places around the world. At <laughs> yeah, this point, right? most it's, people know about yeah, it. Yeah, most people know Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, a number, any number. Uh, how about thirty-six? Thirty-six. Uh, an element or a compound? Any element, compound, chemical, something like that. I like zirconium. I will go for zirconium. Zirconium. What makes you like zirconium? It starts with AZ, like my name. Oh, well, that's that's true. We call it Z in America. Z sounds like an alien name or something. Oh, yeah, and sometimes whenever I've heard uh, – Whenever there's like a zero sums, it's like not. So if there's like a, yeah, a yeah. subscript like E not, it's like I used to say E not or like I not in uh, in college actually. Yeah, I don't know how common that is. But they in, put in the not in everything. It's not just E not. It's like everything. Yeah, not. or the you <laughs> know the numbers zero. like six one two not not, not yeah. three you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. I think actually English might be one of the only languages we don't say Z. I think Z is actually more common in. I in most other languages yeah. and we're the weird ones but, yeah but but i'm gonna say you're weird so <laughs> thank you yes you're welcome okay um another number please you want to go for that one three trillion two thousand five hundred sixty one three trillion oh gosh how many zeros are there okay three trillion, <laughs> trillion. what was it two hundred what i'm just gonna Thou spell it thousand three trillion two hundred what did he say? It's, it's two two hundred something something thousands. You like you you like. There's I no mean, million. What is your job? Is it your job is to write what I'm? Saying? Yeah, <laughs> you said three trillion and then two hundred. That could have been two hundred billion. I, I didn't want to put billion. In. <laughs> but if, okay, why not? Three trillion. Okay, so two thousand six hundred sixty-one. Two thousand three trillion two thousand six hundred sixty-one. There are a lot of significant figures yeah. you're missing. There's there's no hundred billion, <laughs> ten billion, a billion, hundred million. Three All trillion, those are zeros. <laughs> yes, that's that's a perfectly legitimate number. My point is that if I were to say three trillion two hundred 
Thousand. Million. One hundred and sixteen. No, no, no. Yes, you can. I mean, Thousand. No. So you, you see, I'm waiting because you don't know how many zeros to start typing. Uh, That's why waiting. I was waiting. I see, oh, well, I didn't know. You, okay, but I've got three trillion two thousand six hundred sixty-one. That's the number. Okay, I got. It. I, I literally spelled those words out so that I will say it right. It's okay. like you're writing a check. <laughs> you think I have that much money, Alex? Well, I do. Okay. Uh, element. Another element or a compound. How about imidazolium? Imid, is it imidizolium? Imid, I think it's imidazolium. I've heard it's the a, name. I have no idea what it I is. I think it's um. Which host is that? He doesn't know number. He doesn't know. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm not even a real chemist. I just play one on TV. Okay, uh, another number. Another number. You want to go for it? No. Or, 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 or maybe or Alex should do the numbers. The numbers. The numbers. I don't know how to type uh, the numbers that Ziad says here. It's <laughs> how about one? Oh wow, getting tricky. Just make here. it very <laughs> just one. Like one. I like it. All right, a food item like bananas. Yeah, bananas. Bananas. It's a good one. We got potatoes and bananas potatoes in this, bananas. In this, this is, game. This is a special kind of game here. All right, uh, uh, household appliance. Household appliance. How about um. A vacuum cleaner? Vacuum cleaner is good. Vacuum way. cleaner. Uh, a piece of lab equipment. Can't say potentious that. That's cheating. Yeah, right. Uh, I will go for the balloon. Balloon? <laughs> Although I don't like uh, like <laughs> organic chemistry, but yeah, balloon yeah. is a good one. So I, I said lab equipment, not children's play toy. <laughs> You can you, find a balloon in the lab. What, what lab has a balloon? Like organic chemistry lab. Organic chemists aren't real. <laughs> They're not real. <laughs> we are not real. If someone is real in chemistry, uh, it's them. I, did uh, not, I guess that's true. I, I, I'm only kidding. I did not like organic chemistry when I was in college. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. Too. Yeah, but I saw. I saw. I always saw this balloon rotating around. And trying, like they were trying to like, synthesize some. Oh, that products. must be part of a thing. Okay, well, balloon, it's in here now. Yeah, I know. I know they like if they fill it with hydrogen, they'll fill a balloon with hydrogen gas, and then they'll put it over a cell, and then the hydrogen gas will go into the solution, and then t while it's reacting for like hours. Or I only days, saw a hydrogen so. balloon lit, like they light it on fire. You know. Yeah. It makes a loud pop because obviously hydrogen is very flammable. So that was the only thing I did with a hydrogen balloon was blow it up. But but you said like you know they just like. Rotated around. Actually, they they heat it so they evaporate uh, the solvent and like um, have the compound like left in the balloon so they can. Oh, you're talking about a rotovap. Yeah, 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 rotovap. Yeah. <laughs> a ro a I Also, don't know what that is. <clears throat> a rotovap is uh, so it's like you have a it's a it's a ball shaped piece of glass. Yeah. Yes. You put your solution in. It's put into a bath of some temperature. It rotates. Yes. And then, and then some of the solvent just evaporates, so you yeah. reduce yeah, it yeah. down. So this balloon shape, like what do you call it? Like the the glass. The glass. It's not a balloon shape. Uh, yes. round bottom flask. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm putting rotovap in for our game. Okay. We're changing it to rotovap. <laughs> roto so that's a more apparently uh, common. It's not. I don't know what it is, but anyway. Oh yeah. Sounds good. So no. rotovap. Yeah, rotovap. Yeah. Roto roto I've never heard of Let that. Let me go roto for this one. Oh, rotovap. Okay. That, uh, that's, that's maybe actually it had probably like ro rotary evaporator. That's but yeah, rotovap is where it goes. Oh, I get that makes sense actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, a number. I won't do this one. 
<laughs> you you could just because you messed up the, right, the two children. Okay, I believe in you. Okay, okay. We believe in you. Okay. Six sevens. I said six over seven. Oh, six sevens. You got six, six sevens. Six seven <laughs> sevens. Yeah. Times oh. ten squares. <laughs> oh yeah. Squares. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, a length of time. Uh, how about uh two and a half years? Two point five years. Uh, a gas. Helium. Helium. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Very reactive. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an element or a compound. Element or a compound. How about um, cysteine? Cysteine. Like what? the cysteine chapel? Oh, I was talking about like the amino acid. <laughs> oh, oh, you should have specified. Okay, sorry. Good. Is that C Y S T? Cysteine is not what comes after 15. Put them, Tish. Oh, that's a that's a dad joke if I ever heard one. Uh, another number. I will not do oh, this. You, one. You're Sixteen. Sixteen. I was like, <laughs> See, Ziads are more ridiculous, but at least I can type in Alex's. Okay. Um, a unit. Any unit. Uh, light years. Light years. Ah, I see. First of all, you realize that is a distance, correct? I don't care. It's okay. Just check. That's right. <laughs> you, are, you are correct. It is a unit. I'm just checking because light years is not time. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, a number. A number. How about uh, 0. 0.026? 0. 0.026. All right. Uh, another unit. Mm, pounds. 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 Oh, that's an English unit. Two gases. Two gases. Yeah, like one, like two. I need two different gases. All right. Methane. Yeah, methane. methane. Methane's good. Um, and we could use <laughs> hydrogen sulfide. Hydrogen sulfide. Very safe. Okay. Uh, two different numbers. And, num and smell it. And yes. smell it. And yeah. not safe at all. No. Um, <laughs> uh, two different numbers. One hundred fifty-eight. Thousand, no, sorry, <laughs> and uh, and negative 12. Negative 12. I have to have some negative, gotta have a negative there because yeah. that always makes sense. That's in gonna science. make a lot of sense, yeah. Uh, a prefix, like a, a unit prefix, like a metric. Back to the metric system. Oh, is it a metric one? It's a metric one, yes, yes. So examples would be like micro, milli, mega. Yeah, yeah. he's not familiar with I'm, the metric I'm, system, I'm, Alex. I'm, I'm yeah. talking about some scale. Deca, but, we, we don't see deca a lot. But, Let but, me deca. stick to deca. Deca, yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes, like, because prefix, like, anti is a prefix. That's true, right. right? Which, so, I, so we're Yeah, not a linguistic like, prefix. Yeah, yeah linguistic metric prefix. system. Well, see, in America, we use the metric systems, yeah. So someday <laughs> so you'll... So you know also the prefix of those. Yeah, so when you... When you as Europeans learn the metric system, we'll teach you the prefix. Okay, thank you yeah, so much. I appreciate. I'm very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> See how I turned it around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, there's like a few, just a few more. I promise. Uh, a number. Yeah, it's like three point seven times ten. Um, to, the, to the minus, minus twenty seven. Yeah, I got. I actually got that one this time. You it's don't a have very to very small it. number. Yeah, uh, a unit of length. 3.6 kilometers. Oh, no, just, just sorry, just the unit, not the number. Okay, not kilometers. The number. Kilometers. Kilometers. Yep. Like um, 10 to the minus 27. No, you know what? Really you know what? Let me stick to miles. 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 Oh, very <laughs> good. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Until you go back to <coughs> Europe, you have to stick with, with <laughs> <Yes>. units. <yes. laughs> uh, a percent, uh, some amount of percentage. 0.5%. I was exactly thinking about that. I don't know why. 0.5%. You two are very much in, in sync. <laughs> okay. Uh, I need a U.S. government department. So, Zia. I only know the DOE. Yeah, that's too easy. 
Yeah, uh, this is the only one I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there, let, let, let's so, take, take so there is the United States Office of Personal Management. Office of like personnel management? Personnel management, not personal. Oh, management. do you have personnel like management? managing yourself? Personal yeah, management. Personal management. Person, like with like two ends, right? Personnel. Yeah, yeah. And that, do yeah. you have a department for that? Yeah, have a department for that. I, I'm on, I'm just like on the website because I remember like you asked these questions, right? I'm like, that's gotta be. Yeah, an every time we do these, there's a government department in here, and Alex How always many gives me. How department is that? There's a lot. There's a, there's probably there's a like lot the National things. Science Foundation, Small Business Administration, Department. You know, th there's the ones that we know, like Department of Defense. And for department our next of, podcast, Alex reads from the U.S. Department <laughs> Agency <laughs> list. Just reads them all. <laughs> it's riveting stuff. Tennessee Val. Tennessee Valley Authority. That's a department. I've heard of that one. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. And I'm going to fill no other details. But for some <laughs> reason, I've heard, I feel like I've heard that. I can't remember what the, what the context was. Anyway, I swear, there's just two more here. Yeah. Uh, a children's toy. Nerf. Mm. Nerf guns. Ooh, Nerf guns. Ooh, gun. those are good ones. Nerf gun. Yeah. That, those, are, those are fun, yes. And then uh, a year, a, a calendar year, any, any year. 1998. 1998. All right. Well, that was uh, a very long time coming, but we've, we've completed it. So let me read to you the fuel cell publication abstract. So you were providing answers for a fuel cell publication, which you, is exactly what you were trying to do. Right. All right, are we ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. Proton exchange membrane fuel cells have attracted significant attention over the past two nanoseconds because of their increased hardness and shininess compared <laughs> with other electrochemical systems, such as potatoes and lightsabers. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Um, a novel cathode consisting of 36% zirconium and 3,2661,000% imidazolium <laughs> doped with one weight percent banana was synthesized using alternating steps involving a vacuum cleaner and a rotovap. Oh, that sounds good. That does. It's, it's this is a complicated. It almost sounds like a vacuum cleaner and a rotovap. They both do the same thing, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, they actually kind of do. This is cutting edge uh, electrochemistry here. Okay, uh, intermediately synthesized particles were calcinated at six sevenths of a degree Celsius for two and a half years, in the presence of helium. And membrane electrode assemblies were constructed using our novel cathode and a cysteine anode with a 16 light year thick nafion membrane separator. Ooh. It's a little thick. Definitely. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit thick. I, I wonder if it's going to work. <laughs> we'll see what the results are because this, this, this is how it worked. Exposed surface area of MEA active material was 0 0.026 square pounds. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Humidified streams of methane and hydrogen sulfide were supplied across the anode and cathode, respectively. And polarization curves were obtained by scanning from open circuit to 158 volts at a scan rate of minus 12 decavolts per second. <laughs> minus 12 decavolts per second. Minus 12. So I guess you're... So it's going the opposite it's going direction. It's the opposite direction. Or Very slowly. it's scanning yeah. into the multiverse or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, a maximum current density, maximum, mind you, of 3.7 times 10 to the minus 27. <laughs> <laughs> Milliamps per mile squared. 
That is the that, uh, which is to say zero, to um, say zero. was achieved, <laughs> marking a zero point five percent increase over the U.S. Office of Personnel Management benchmark. <laughs> Future Nerf gun applications will benefit from this fuel cell technology breakthrough, and full commercial scale-up implementation is expected to begin by the year 1998. That's very uh, promising. That's very promising. <laughs> <laughs> this was really good. All right, I think on, on that note, we are going to wrap this up. So thank you both very much for this game of Ecam Abstract Mad Libs, and we will see you all on the next Electrochemistry podcast.